What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast. That podcast by two brothers with the same mother, giving you their fantasy takes, hits, and analysis, and everything in between. As usual, it's that boy Derek here with the older brother, that boy Daryl. Daryl, how you feeling, my man? Week three is in the books. Week three was explosive. Um, man, what a what what a week of fantasy, man! Some some of these uh, some of these numbers seem like unreal. Um, whether it's how big the numbers were or who actually put them up, uh, right? Yeah, fantasy football, baby. We in there. Yeah, I mean, week one was just kind of blah. Not a whole lot going on production wise, but who? How quickly that changed a couple weeks later. Um, this podcast, we're going to do our usual week three recap, a.k.a. wrap that ish up. B, of course, we'll have our waiver segment, go over some uh, key pickups for you this week and or the rest of the season. And, of course, a little DBB. Go ahead and review our spreadsheets. Look back at our uh, records and our picks for week three. Without further ado, let's get it started with wrap that ish up b shout out to dave Chappelle. this is our weekly segment where we wrap up the week of football from the fantasy perspective highlights lowlights any other notes we deem worthy and of course when we start this you gotta start it's automatic rule Daryl. if any team scores 70 points we're talking about them first in a wrap-up new rule alert yeah yeah that's in the constitution <laughs> My goodness, man. Miami welcomed Denver to South Beach and did them boys dirty. 70 to 20. 70 American football points. Unreal. We got to start this this talk off with the running backs. My goodness. Devin A-Chain, a.k.a. now to be known as Devin A-Chan. We got a tweet from Mark Schefter. (laughs) with Devin A. Chan making it clear how to say his name. And by God, you earned it, man. 16 carries, 203 yards, two touchdowns, four receptions for 30 yards and two touchdowns. But not to be outdone in that same backfield, you have Raheem Mostert with three touchdowns on the ground with 82 yards. And then he gave you another touchdown in the air as well as seven receptions for 60 yards. Daryl, I'm going to turn this over to you, man. What about these running backs, man? Give me your thoughts. Yeah, it's you just don't see NFL NFL defenses get just utterly dismantled like this. You know, like that's that's normally saved for when like Alabama plays game one or game two against our sweet blind sisters of the blessed mercy. Um, you know, right. it's it, this is. This this was something that like said like I I just couldn't I just couldn't believe, um, you know. Is the Dolphins' run offense is their offense in general like that good? Probably not, but you know, you just know now. You know, if you're going to be one of their opponents, they got to ask what before you in that bag. So you know, you better you better be ready. You better be ready for these boys when they when they come um you know it was a, a breakout party for a yeah i think 
with this week's finish, um, it moved him up into maybe like top 12, top 13-ish. With Mostert's finish this week, I believe he's sitting as the PPR RB1 right now. So, like, so like, yeah, this is this was like some truly, truly explosive stuff. And, you know, as, as fantasy players, we're left to say, okay, you know, th- this was great. Whether you lost to them, whether they were on your bench, or whether you put a beat down on somebody because you played them, now we're like, what next? What moves? To make what do we expect going forward? And there's, to my mind, there's kind of a bit of a fly in the ointment with Jeff Wilson set to well set to be able to come back starting week five. On one hand, I'm thinking to myself, these boys just did what they did. Mike McDaniel, you better not touch the sauce. <laughs> but on the other hand, he's a mad genius, and you just gotta kind of trust him to do what he does. Um, and you know, he's shown that he's not afraid to platoon these guys. So the outlook on, you know, uh, even after such a great performance, the outlook on these guys is still a little, a, a little bit murky. So I find myself in a situation. Um, I don't, I don't have a chance in any leagues, but I have most there in a couple. And it's like, what's the play here? And I'm really wrestling with that. Yeah. I mean, And you're talking about when week five comes, when Jeff Wilson would be eligible to come off the IR. But, yeah, I think next week you go ahead and have Mostert um, in your lineup with A-Chan. You know, I I think you have to just stay in the fire and he's a safe flex play for you. I think think you have to do this because when you look into kind of the the usage metrics here, he played 42% of the snaps have 42% of the attempts and 39% of the routes. But it's hard to draw from that because this was a blowout. And so, you know, he obviously probably got more work than what they typically would probably do, I think, in most situations. But either way, I think fantasy-wise, you have to stay in the fire and, and at least flex this man after he he dropped 50-plus points for you. Um, is your analysis at all affected by the fact that they play Buffalo next week? It would be, it would be a little bit, but you know, to me, it's just one of those things where if you're in a situation like me, where you have him and you also have on Dotson, who you've been flexing and we'll get into him later, I'm going to go ahead and take that shot probably on a chan based on what I saw. But, yeah, I think that is worth noting, the opponent next week being Buffalo. Got to consider that. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a hell of a thing for you to sit this guy back-to-back, and he does some ridiculousness (laughs) (laughs) back-to-back. So, so yeah, it it does kind of have you in a a tough place, um, you know. But, yeah, like like you said – Ain't nothing wrong with, with with leaning into it because with what with what he did with what they both did, you know you can't you can't go back from that. You saw what these guys could do, man. It's it'd be really hard to just turn right back around and say, "Yep, yep, thanks," and put him on the bench. You'd be doing the same thing we think that Mike McDaniel's might do when uh, when Jeff Wilson comes back. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I also want to just give a shout out to Tua. 23 for 26 in this game for 309 yards and four touchdowns. And, of course, Tyreek, Tyreek the freak, man. 11 targets, nine receptions for 157 and a touchdown. 
just usual business for them, um, even without Jalen Waddle being there for this game. Yeah. If we're redrafting right now, are you taking Tyreek ahead of uh, Justin Jefferson? Whew. I mean, it's it's so 1A and 1B to me, but, yeah, I think I would edge Tyreek as wide receiver one if I if we're yeah. going back and doing a redraft right now. It kind of feels that way to me, too. Yeah. I wouldn't mind the second pick in that scenario, though, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it feels that way to me, too. For sure, for sure. Um, on the Denver side, the, the note I had was mainly about uh, Marvin Mims. Again, low percentage of routes ran out there, 28% of the routes run, but saw a 45% uh, target per route run with that. Um, they got to get this man out here. His stats three for 73, by the way. But in my opinion, they got to get this man out here. Like they're running Brandon Johnson out there for more routes than him. But it's just very clear what Marvin Mims can do. Um in that wide receiver room and the breakout, you know, receptions that he can have. Yeah, it would seem that they're that yeah, he's this man has done enough now. Okay, like maybe last week coach is thinking, well, yeah, you know, that that was good. That that was cool. But he comes out this week. He also ran a punt back for a touchdown. Um just like that that kind of anytime explosiveness, electricity um, you got it. You, you got to figure that Peyton is going to find a way to get him out there at least a little bit more. Maybe next week it'll be 50% of the routes at least or, or, or something like that. Um, the note from the Denver side I had was it kind of sort of looks like the arrow might be pointing up on Cortland Sutton. Um, you know, he went eight receptions, 91 yards and a touchdown. I believe he had a touchdown called back as well. Um, I, I know Brandon Johnson had two penalties in the game that got two touchdowns called back. I believe one was for uh, was for Cartland Sutton. Um, but yeah, this past week, 95% of the routes, 27% targets per route run, and his his route participation has been creeping up week by week. I mean, it was you know it was in the high 80s week one and low 90s week two. And now, you know, he's virtually never coming coming off the field, and he seems to be Russ's most targeted guy. Um, you know, I think he's he certainly moved himself into a position where I think he's certainly a, um, a, a flexible guy. And, you know, if you're in a, one of those three wide receiver leagues, I, I certainly believe, uh, you know, you you got to be looking towards him. As your as your third wide receiver at, at this point, um, you know, on a weekly basis. Yeah, I agree with you. He's and he's probably could be viewed as like a lower tier wide receiver too. But yeah, he's definitely a strong flex play at this point. Um, you know, to your to those metrics that you mentioned there with the routes that he's running overall on the season, I'm seeing a 24 percent target share. So. Yeah, if he keeps that up, like, yeah, he should be an easy wide receiver, too, with at least the amount of passes that they've been throwing so far. Yeah. All right, clean up those fumbles, young man. Yes, definitely, definitely do that. He did have two fumbles. Clean that up for sure. Next, we'll look at the Chargers and Vikings game, um, another game that was 
you know, fairly high scoring for what it was, but it actually was on the under, at least from um, when it started at 54. But we'll start with Keenan Allen. <laughs> man, did this man go dumb me. Uh, 20 targets. 20 targets. 18 for 215. Did not score a receiving touchdown, but he said, you know what? I got y'all fantasy. I'm going to throw one to my boy Mike Will for 49 yards. Got a touchdown that way. Easy 40 ball plus. I'm pretty sure it's a 50 ball he he posted. I did not have him on any of my teams, unfortunately. Um, also, with the Chargers, obviously, Justin Herbert went dummy here with 400-plus yards and three touchdowns. The run game, stinky. Mike Will had himself a good game. 121 receiving yards on seven receptions and a tutty on eight touchdowns. But we did get the unfortunate news about him being out for the season with the torn ACL. So, yeah, Daryl, talk to me about the the Chargers, man. Yeah. So when we 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 talked about this game in our preview last week, and I feel like I wish I had been a lot stronger or I just had a lot stronger feeling about what Keenan was going to do this particular week because we talked about the fact that um, that the Vikings run zone more than any other team in the league. And I believe they've only run, um, you know, going into last week, they've only run two snaps of man defense. Like they are all zone. So I should have just figured Keenan was about to do something ridiculous. But that's, um, you know, I I remember, you know, when we talked about it, we figured he would have a good game. We figured Mike will would, would, would be fine too, but we never imagined both of them would really go off this way. I believe Keenan is now the wide receiver one on the year and that Herbert is, is QB one um, as things stand right now. Um, so, you know, we learned a few things. Number one, um, get your guys in against Minnesota, at least your wide receivers, especially your zone beater wide receivers um but yeah this is the outlook for them going forward you know i feel like not a whole lot really changes for 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 keenan because he's he's such a he's he's good against everything man's own um it don't matter keenan info um so (laughs) i I feel uh I, i feel fine about him it's you know who is that other guy going to be, you know, for by all appearances, Josh Palmer has the inside track um, on, you know, the two wide receiver sets. And, you know, there's now an opening for Quentin Johnston to get in there and, you know, kind of show and prove. And this was part of, this was part of, you know, the rationale for drafting him where, where he was being drafted during draft season. Wow. Did I say draft a lot? Um, you know, he, he, he had a few outs, right. Um, yeah. He could just come on and beat out Josh Palmer for that third for that third wide receiver spot, you know, over the course of the season. Or if there's an injury to either Keenan or Mike Will, both of whom have, you know, pretty decently sized injury histories, it would open up a door for him this way. So, you know, that door has now been opened and this is where we're going to get to see what QJ, um, what, what he has and if he's, you know, ready to turn around and pay off that um, first round draft value. Um, it's really sad business about, about Mike will, because, you know, there's always, 
it, it, it feels like something always kind of derails him for at least a little bit, if not a lot of it, during a, during the NFL season. So, you know, hate to see that for for him. Um, you know, he was off to a good start this year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now we just got to kind of react. And I guess advice-wise, if I'm, if I'm in a shallow league and Quentin Johnson is on waivers – I'm not necessarily making room for him right now. That could end up being a decision that I regret, but you know, I'm I'm in a shallow league right now and I just can't really justify sight unseen putting him putting him under because he hasn't been able to earn a significant target share yet, a significant snap share, basically hasn't been able to beat out Josh Palmer. It's only been three games, but still, you know, it's 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 hard to um it's hard to make that investment. But certainly in deep leagues, if you have um if if you have the roster space, I think he's certainly a guy that you wanna that you wanna go ahead and stash and just see how things play out. Yeah, with Mike Will being out at seventy nine percent route participation and twenty one percent of the targets essentially opening up, as you mentioned with Josh Palmer, he's been the guy. Um, well, he's been you know the wide receiver three, and he's more than likely going to be the guy to take over that role with the uptick for Quentin Johnson. Um, Palmer was running around 70% of the routes um, beforehand. So it's very possible QJ could get up to that number or work up to that number eventually, but it'll be interesting to see how um, the Chargers work that in. The other note I had on this game, I did mention in the preview pod about Donald Parham and his targets per route run when they're um, facing zone coverage. And <laughs> It's just funny. This man had a two for four yard game with two touchdowns. I'm not. I'm not victory lapping here. I'm just finding that funny that he actually did produce, but the way he produced was just the touchdowns. Meanwhile, Gerald Everett saw six targets and went six for thirty. It's it's just funny. Yeah, and that that day ended up being semi useful from Gerald Everett. I mean, what nine PPR points from your from your tight end? You know that's. It's not great, but it's not too. It's, it's nothing to sneeze at in the current tight end landscape. So, yeah, yes. Chargers tight ends ended up splitting some decent production. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, on the Vikings side, pretty much business as usual for Kirk Cousins, Jay Jettis, and TJ Hawkinson. And going back to what you said, Kirk is still holding down the QB1 spot. How dare you try to take that from that man? Um, I believe he is the only quarterback that has had, yes, he is the only quarterback that has had top five performances in every week so far. So it doesn't look like there's going to be anything stopping that trend. Um, two other notes, Jordan Addison seems to be emerging, participating in more routes being ran. And then Alexander Madison had himself a decent day on the ground, 47 yards per carry on 20 carries so almost 100 yard day for him and then five for 32 on the target i mean five for 32 receiving wise so not a bad day for him at as well yeah addison's addison's usage holding holding steady um you know kj osborne was out there for over 90 percent of the yeah. routes but i believe he saw like a single digit target per route run single digit um overall route percentage so you know 
he's he's out there running sprints, but um, Addison is still getting getting his work in, and he's going to be he's going to you know for the time being he's going to be a boom bust flex play, um, but you know he's he's out there less, but he's still getting more you know m- more looks from Kirk, so that's that that's still a good thing with him. Um, as for Alexander Madison, like he, you know, his, his fantasy day, you know, it, it, it makes it look like he got things, you know, on track. And it, it was a, it, it was a very, it was a very decent fantasy day, um, especially in light of, you know, the week before and, you know, the, the, the couple weeks before, but, you know, if you put eyeballs on that game, he did not look, he did not look great out there. He, he really got bailed out by a bad call. Um, by by the refs um, that that got a fumble of his overturned when the Vikings were were in the red zone. I think they might have been in the in the green zone, you know, in, inside the ten when when his fumble was counted as not a fumble. Um, basically, I say all that to say he didn't do anything to keep to, from what I from what I saw. You know, I'm no football scout, but he didn't he didn't do anything to keep cam makers on the pine when they, when they finally do activate cam. So um, that is something to watch out for these upcoming weeks. Yeah, de- definitely. Definitely. I forgot about those, uh, the, the fumbles there, but good calling you remembering on that. Let's go to the next segment. We got our little doing it and doing it and doing it. Well, represent queen she was raised out in brooklyn shout out to ll cool j uh here we recognize some guys that hey doing it and doing it well and they're here again um let's start with some running backs here we got kenneth walker and zach moss kenneth walker had 18 for 97 on the ground with two touchdowns and also gave you 59 yards receiving uh, with three receptions good for the rb3 on the week and then Zach Moss gave you 122 rushing yards against those Ravens and even gave you 23 yards receiving and a tutty. Darrell, I'm going to turn it over to you. Talk to me about uh, Kenneth Walker, what you saw or any notes there, and then maybe that Carolina-Seattle game as a whole. Yeah, Ken- Kenneth Walker had a really good game. Um, you know, he got in the, like you like you mentioned, he got in the end zone twice. Um and, you know, that was one of the things that people talked about with him, um, you know, his ability to punt. I, I believe both of those were kind of goal line-ish situations, and he was able to punch it in. And there was a lot of talk about his inefficiency in that area during the offseason. But he he came out and he did it. He was talked about um, his passing game chops. And, you know, he got you three for 59. Now, you have that on one hand. On the other hand, though, Zach Charbonnet saw a significant tick up in his usage mm-hmm. um, this past week. He was out there for 44% of the snaps, 42% of the routes, 13% targets per route run. Um, he got a goal line carry um, late, late in the game. Um, and this was by far his most significant, his most significant usage, you know, and his snap share has been going, has been trending up over these three weeks. So, you know, while, while he did put up good fantasy numbers, Zach, Zach Charbonnet did play and he, 
he did look pretty okay. Like he he trucked some uh, he he trucked some D back like uh, to to get the Seahawks on like you know in a goal to go situation. It was one of like the highlights of the week. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, that's just that's just kind of something to watch out for. I think um, you know you're you're obviously not sitting or you know putting Kenneth Walker on like the do I play him do I sit in bubble behind this. I think it's more a thing where. Um, if you're stashing Zach, Zach Charbonnet, don't jettison him quite yet. And if he's out on your waiver wire and you have room for him, um, I think now would be a good time to go ahead and um, to go, go ahead and roster him because he could be trending towards some standalone value. And I think he's I think he's in line to take over the Kenneth Walker role if something were to happen to uh, to Kenneth Walker. Um, as for you know that game in in total. In the the biggest the biggest kind of note to me was I think how much more functional that Panthers offense looked with uh, with Andy Dalton at, at at quarterback. You know he went out and he finished QB seven QB eight on the week. Adam Thielen had a game. Um, yep, he you know, did. <laughs> he, Eleven for like one forty five and at least one touchdown. I think it was just the one touchdown. Um, and, he, you know, he he finished, like, wide receiver eight or nine on the week. Um, it tells you kind of the explosions that we saw at wide receiver this week. But anyway, um, yeah, that offense looked a whole lot more functional. Now, granted, they were playing Seattle. Seattle's not the best pass defense in the world. But, uh, yeah, he looked he looked better than anything Bryce has done this year. I don't, I don't see them. I don't see them sitting Bryce, but I don't think they're going to hurry him back um, either. Uh, so yeah, that's that's really it on that on on that game. Um, this whole Zach Moss. Yeah, before you, know, you get into like, Zach Moss, yeah, yeah uh, real quickly on Kenneth Walker. This is pretty much like what I kind of harped upon in the division preview um, about him is that he has those ability to make those big plays, and he had two plus. 20 yard um, rushes in this game. And then he had goal line work. So that's the formula right there for, for his success pretty much. And as you mentioned with Zach Charbonnet, yeah, he had that increase um, in usage and if you will, and route participation and things like that. So just be aware of that going forward. You know, your formula probably for Kenneth Walker is what you saw in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, it's going to be interesting to see how things unfold for them um, going go, going forward. You know, I got I got eyes, I got peepers on that backfield for sure. Um, Zach Moss, this is this is incredible. Like what he's what what he's been doing, and like just how they have completely entrusted that backfield to him. Um, it's just absolutely elite usage, and he's actually doing something with it. Um, you know, and he did this against Baltimore to to boot. You know, in Baltimore, that was just just, just wow. You know, at least for this first part of the season, uh, he's one of the he's one of the pickups of of the year so far. You know, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with um, with with Jonathan Taylor. Um, when he's el- eligible to come back starting in week five. But until 
until he's back. I've you got to ride this out with Zach Moss, man. Yeah, agree with that. Like, did not expect this from him at all. But I mean, this man is getting basically all the carries, all the route participation, pretty much. So it's like, yeah, you just got to ride this wave when you got a running back like this. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it, but he did finish as RB five on the week. Um, and also, I didn't mention all we had Jarek McKinnon here as well as RB eight. Um, nothing big stat wise, but he did have two touchdowns with the three receptions um, on nineteen yards. Did you have any thoughts on McKinnon and KC at all? No, just that we call that stat line the McKinnon. Like that's the, right. <laughs> that's that's what it that's what it is with him, baby. Um, you normally expect him to do this like kind of later in the season, but hey, here we are. Yeah, would you be rostering him right now? Oh man, I that's really so tough because it's hard to. When would you know like to play him? Right. You know, it's 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 that kind of thing. And they have so many they have so many ways they can score from you, score on you from short distance. It's you know, this very easily could, you know, he very easily could have got the same usage, but you know, without the touchdowns, it wouldn't have been anything. So no, I can't I can't see rostering him. Um Unless it's like a super deep league, but yeah, in, a, in like a normal, normal managed league, I, I I wouldn't be rostering him. Okay, fair enough. A couple wide receivers here noted Jamar Chase. Welcome back to this part of the program. 12 for 141 on 15 targets. The wide receiver six. And Nathaniel Dell, a.k.a. Tank Dell, wide receiver for the Houston Texans. Five for 145 in the tutty on seven targets. Good for the wide receiver. Seven. Talk to me about these guys. Jamar Chase, welcome to Fantasy Football 2023. I'm sure um, I'm sure Jamar Chase managers were happy to see that he can still get this done. Um, and it was it was interesting, you know, if you watch that that Cincinnati game. They weren't really pushing the ball down the field or anything like that. You know, I, I believe Burroughs, like, ADOT was probably, like, less than six or so. Like, it was really a bunch of dink and duff, dunk stuff. But um, Jamar Jamar was able to, you know, just kind of work the short areas. And you, you, you know this boy has hands for days. So, um, so yeah, he just kind of he, – he just kind of feasted on some of these low ADOT throws. Um how replicable that's going to be going forward, I don't know, but it's Jamar Chase. It's not like you're going to be sitting him. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's good to see him get off, get off the schneid. And Tank Dell. We thought last week was a coming out party. This was the coming out after party, I suppose. Like he just he he really showed out against um against the Jaguars. You know, I believe he led the he I believe he led the, he certainly led the team in air yards and in um and then uh I was I don't think it was target and maybe target share. I had it written down, but I I can't find it in in my notes. But basically all this to say that I think this man has pretty much buried 
um, Noah Brown. You know, the, when, when Noah Brown gets back, uh, he's going to have to get in where he fits in going going forward because it really appears that Tank Dell is wide receiver one in, in, in the Houston wide receiver room. Um, you know, Nico, his day wasn't, wasn't so great, but, um, you know, he – it's probably going to be like that for him, given he's only out there for like 75, 80% of the routes. Um, but Nico is he's still not dropping him or anything like that. I think he's still a plenty flexible type type guy going forward. But yeah, it was, it was wonderful to see Tank Dell just go out there and show maximum disrespect in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of love to see a behavior there um, from Tank. I'm going to talk about C.J. Stroud a little bit later, but yeah, going back to Jamar Chase, when we talked about that preview with them and the Rams, did kind of talk about um, wide receivers that line up outside having success against this defense, and you know, it was it was Jamar's day out here. Uh, T. Higgins did see eight targets as well, but only had two catches. So just one of those days, nothing where you need to adjust your thoughts on Jamar Chase or Tank or Tank or T Higgins, in my opinion. So yeah, just, just rock with those guys and keep it moving. Finally, tight end. We want to talk about Mr. George Kittle. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Seven for 90 on nine targets. Good for the tight end two against the Giants. Um, any thoughts on this game? Yeah, you know, seven, seven for 99 targets, like you just mentioned. That's a lot. We got to keep in mind, though, that Brandon Ayuk was out. It seemed like he was yep. maybe kind of close to playing, but they decided to to hold him out. You know, it was a Thursday night game. So if he doesn't play, that gives him like an extra 10 days or so to rest and he's if they had been playing somebody, you know, probably a little bit better than the Giants, maybe he would have suited up. But that was kind of, um, with no disrespect, that was, you know, very foreseeable light work for the for the 49ers. So no need to no need to risk furthering Ayuk's injury. The reason I bring that up is because, you know, when when the when their weapons, you know, when they're fully staffed, Kittle doesn't normally necessarily see targets like this, which makes him kind of some timey, which is why, um, which is why, you know, there were a decent amount of people who were, who were kind of fading drafting him at his, um, at, at his ADP. But, you know, this is the kind of game you can get from, you know, you, you can very well get this kind of game from him when everybody's, when everybody's in the building, but, you know, for, in particular, when, when guys get injured, that's when you see that, that's especially when you can see Kittle, go off so you know this isn't that big of a of a shocker for him and you he could put up this kind of day like anytime and the guy is just that good he's just playing with three like all world nfl players so it's you know for his managers i'm sure they were glad to see him um get get going hopefully you know you weren't so disappointed by weeks one and two that you sat him um but yeah george kittle still has the goods yeah, you made an excellent point bringing out bringing up Brandon Ayuk being out of this game. Um, yeah, this has typically been the thing that George Kittle has done. Like when either Ayuk or Debo have missed, he's been able to shine. So yeah, once Ayuk is back in the fold, 
I think it's kind of going to be back to usual. Like one or two of those guys are going to have weeks and the other one's going to be left out. And typically it seems to be um, George Kittle, but in any event, good for him. Tight end two on the week. You love to see it. Um, Another note, another poopy performance by Daniel Jones. We may need to have a conversation about that man at some point, but I'm not going to do it right now. Right. Right. No, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Speaking of conversations, our next segment here in the wrap up and last one. Are you concerned? We are three weeks into the regular season, three weeks into your fantasy season. So now we're about 20 percent, probably a little more than 20 percent into your fantasy season. So you got some data, you got some information on guys, and now you kind of got to make some decisions on, wh- on how you want to handle things. So are you concerned? We're basically looking at some players that were drafted that probably has some high expectations or some decent expectations to where you were maybe starting them every week. And now it's looking like, I don't know. Let's start with some quarterbacks here. We've got three guys listed, Daryl, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and Dak Prescott. I'll actually hop in first here and talk about Justin Fields. One, because I do have this man rostered as a QB um, in one of my home leagues that I like a lot. And two, he is failing me badly, man. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right now, he's, he's QB 16 overall. He's had three finishes where he was no, – in the three finishes, he was QB 12, QB 20, and QB 22. And this was a man that we were drafting, like, as a top five quarterback um, during during draft season. So it's been very disappointing. Am I concerned on a level of 1 to 10? I'm at about a 8.5 because, like, the rushing yeah. – the rushing hasn't really been there. And then there hasn't been any improvement in the passing game, man. Like it's just a whole bunch of not necessarily dirt balls, but it's just a whole bunch of incomplete passes or offense, just not going anywhere. And, you know, I think the key for him fantasy wise is him running. And so I think they kind of need to integrate that back for him to have success in your fantasy realm, because, if it's going to be counting on him passing the ball, at least from what we've seen so far, not only am I in trouble, fantasy owners nationwide are in trouble. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like nothing has been going right for this team. Like on the field or off the field, there's a whole bunch of mess going on um, around the Bears. And really to get back just to Justin Fields himself, like kind of the whole idea behind the draft capital that you were putting into him was that there was going to be this rushing floor there, you know, like if he put up 45 yards rushing in a game, like you're probably maybe thinking of that, like on the low end, like this was a dude who could very easily, you know, get you, get you a hundo um, on on the ground and just kind of make his numbers at least that way. But you're not, you're, you're not getting that. And like you mentioned, the passing game, is not taking a step forward. It probably, you know, it probably could very well be argued that it's taking a step back. So it's like he really has he really has the folks who drafted him in a bit of a chokehold because can you drop him? Well, 
I don't, I don't know. Like somebody's going to pick him up and, you know, it could yeah. just be a roster bomb on somebody else's roster. Maybe it's like that. But if, you know, it was what, like around week six or seven last year that they finally said, all right, we're going to unleash him as a runner. Um, so, you know, you have a chance to look stupid that way. Though I think probably the way to play it is, you know, at this point is you probably got a roster, another quarterback. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's pretty hard to to trot him out and start him right now, you know, like in a one quarterback league and just kind of see where things unfold from there with an eye towards if this doesn't get better, you just have to release him. But yeah, this is this is super, super disappointing. My concern level, my concern level is like, yeah, it's it's up there with you, eight point five to nine point five. For sure, for sure. Um, any thoughts on the other two guys between Trevor Lawrence and Dak Prescott? Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, very, very worried. Um, he wasn't going that much further behind Fields in, in drafts, maybe like um, maybe like a round to a round and a half later. So you were having to put in some major draft capital to get him. And I believe on Fantasy Pros, he is currently QB 20 on the year. That offense has, you know, his his um his uh what what do you call them? His um his efficiency numbers haven't been great. You know, people were talking about how well he played week one. If you go and look at his his EPA per play in week one, it was not impressive at all. And yep. you know, these last couple these last couple of weeks, you know, okay, maybe you give him a mulligan in week two versus the Chiefs because you know, quiet as is kept, that Chiefs defense is for real. Um, so all right. Maybe, maybe you just move on from that. This was this against the Texans. That was supposed to be a smash spot, you know, and I, I love my Texans, but, you know, we got a lot of injuries going on. You know, we, we have two, two or three of our starting DBs are, are, are injured right now. I think one of them just got put on injured reserve. Like this was supposed to be, it's supposed to be feast time. And yeah. It really extremely didn't happen. Some of it's on Trevor. Some of it's on, you know, his receivers kind of letting him down with with drops and whatnot. I saw some stat floated out there that Trevor's lost some ridiculous amount of EPA per play to drop passes. Um, but for what, what whatever it is, all this stuff is conspiring to push him to a very disappointing uh, place right now. And, like, if you kind of spin it forward, in four of his next six, in four of his next six games, he's facing the Bills defense, the Saints defense, the Steelers defense, and the 49ers. Ooh-wee. You know, the, the other two in that six are the Falcons and the Colts. And the Falcons haven't been a they haven't been a light touch either. You know, the Colts should be a decent spot for him, but you know. For these next six, it's not looking good. I think by the time they face the Steelers, Cam Hayward should be back. So, you know, it's not going to be the easiest turnaround for him. Can he do it? Yeah, but um, he's going to have to really do it if if, if he's going to. So, um, yeah, really concerned about him. Dak, I'm in the middle concern-wise with him. I believe he's currently QB 25. I could be wrong on that. It's either QB 19 or QB 25. One one is for the season. The other one was for this past week. And for some reason, I didn't mark it down in my notes. I think he'll be okay because his efficiency metrics are still pretty good. And if we remember their first two weeks, 
they weren't pushed at all. So he didn't he didn't really get the volume that um, that that he could have gotten if they had played like a decent team. He had a chance to go out and do something against Arizona, but still didn't um, still didn't get it done. You know. His next two are against the Patriots and the 49ers, so not the easiest turnarounds for him either. But um, I think this is when they're finally going to start getting like their for real reps because they're finally going to start playing quote unquote, you know, good competition. And so, like, they're going to have to come out and actually do it. So, um, I'm not I'm not as concerned with Dak as I am with Trevor, but there is like there is mild concern about him as well. Yeah, I'm in full agreement with both both of you, or both stance you have on both of these players, uh, starting with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it's a combination of his EPA per play, as you mentioned, 26 best. That's not good. It's even worse when he's under pressure, and he's only better than Sam Howe, who's still throwing interceptions right now this minute. Uh, Ryan Tannehill <laughs> and Lamar Jackson – now, of course, Lamar Jackson can kind of get away with that because this man can scramble. So fantasy-wise, it's not an issue that um, Lamar's passing is even worse under pressure. Um, and then along with that, he has a 37% deep ball completion, and that's good for 20 seconds. So the EPA is poopy, EPA under pressure is poopy, and you're not completing the deep ball. It's all bad for Trevor right now. Now, I'm not going to say you go and drop this man, but – you know, you might be in a position where you might have to roster a second quarterback, but as for now, I'm still going to run him out. And then Dak, yeah, you're you're right on cue with that. Like those first two games, they weren't really pressed or challenged. And and despite those numbers of him being, it's QB 25, what I saw on Fantasy Pros, he's still top 10 in EPA so um, per play. So yeah, the, the metrics still look decent for Dak. And like you said, he's going to be in more highly contested games here. So I think he'll be fine. But it just kind of still goes back to my point I mentioned um, earlier on about like about Dak, where you can just wait rounds later and just get like Tua or I mean, Daniel Jones is still above him um, <laughs> an overall um, stats, despite uh, those two finishes he had. But yeah, you could have gotten some other guys is all I'm saying there. To the running backs, we have Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris. I'll turn it over to you, Daryl. Josh Jacobs, are you concerned? Um, mildly concerned, but you know, it's kind of it's kind of smoothed over by his usage. You know, yeah. it's 71% yep. rushing attempts. He's out there for 55% of the routes. 25% target per route run. Yep. Um, you just have to figure um, maybe, and maybe it even won't be sustained, but with this usage, he's just going to pop off, you know, every, every now and again, hopefully they can find a, a systemic change to the offense or to the blocking or whatever's going wrong with them. But at that, at that amount of usage, something is just bound to pop off. So, um, I wouldn't mind, you know, um, I, I think it might be smart to maybe check the temperature on the Josh Jacobs manager in your league yep. and see see what you could get away with um, as far as 
not necessarily a low ball offer, but you know, not necessarily paying 100 cents on the dollar for him. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mildly concerned, but yeah, the usage kind of papers over that. Now with Najee, yeah, super, super duper worried um, that that O-line is just doing him no favors. And I know there's a lot of talk about Najee's not good anymore and, you know, he's he's too big, he's too slow. Some of that, some of that may be true, but he's he's averaging first contact like half a yard behind the line of scrimmage. Yep. That's not all on him. Yep. That's not all on him. Um, but it's like, what are the prospects for that getting better? I, I think the Steelers' offensive line is fairly healthy. Uh, I, I, and even if they aren't, uh, you know, it's not like they were lights out last year. And he has uh, he has Jalen Warren, who has been, you know, not not as efficient as Najee as a as a runner, but still, you know. Jalen Warren has put up more explosive plays and Najee's not doing anything to hold him off really at the moment. So yeah, I am, I'm definitely concerned. And then you, you add on the other layer of just the overall environment of that offense, um, which AKA how Kenny Pickett is playing. It's like, yeah. what are, what are the prospects? You know, if, if they could get, you know, three games in a row, against the the Broncos or the Bears, like maybe maybe that might turn the ship around. But, you know, barring that, yeah, I'm I'm super duper concerned about what's going on with Najee at the moment. Yeah, excellent stat on the yards before contact um at half of a yard. Josh Jacobs is even worse at 0.2 yards before contact. But to your point on Jacobs, yeah, I think better days are definitely ahead for him. As you mentioned, all the usage metrics are in his favor. He's there on the routes. He's getting most of the rushing attempts. So I think he's fine. Yeah, with Najee, like, it's been something that we talk about. It's just been, you know, seen in the fantasy streets about um, Jalen Warren being more involved in this offense. And he's been more involved. And the run game for Najee hasn't been great. And so, you know, this is a guy that was going as a – you know, back tier RB1, upper tier RB2, and at least currently, and I think in the in the prospects for his season, I don't think he's gonna finish there. I'm thinking I'm thinking he's probably gonna be a two, maybe upper tier three. So I would say if you can see if you can sell them, but you know, if you can't, then just know the expectations of what it is. Yeah, it's super hard to play him at the moment, man. Right. Wide receivers, we have two guys listed here of Jahan Dawson and Rashad Bateman. I'll start first with Jahan Dawson, as he was one of my faves. Who boy, this one has hurt my heart. Um, yeah, wide receiver yeah. 74 on the season. His finishes have been wide receiver 46, 80, and 82. Has 10 receptions for 83 yards. Like, ugh, that's like a that's like one game for some of these guys out here, but the underlining metrics still look fine. Like 95% of the routes, 17% target share. You would wish to see that being higher, but Terry McLaurin has the exact same target share. It's just the, it's just basically the quarterback play has not been great. 
And then like the other underlying metrics for Dotson haven't been good. Like he's averaging 0.7 yards per route run. That's doo-doo. And his A dot is 7.7, which that was much higher last season. So to me, it's one of those things. And, and, you know, if you're in a really, really shallow league, you could probably drop them, but I'm not dropping them. I'm benching them and I'm putting in other guys and I'll either play it by a matchup or I'll just wait it out until he shows me something or Washington as a whole shows me something and go from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you mentioned the stats. Um, I found another one. In expected fantasy points per game, he's wide receiver 69, um, that, which is very not nice. Nice, but not so, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's in a position where it's just it, – it's really hard to put him in in your lineup. And, you know, the other thing, like where I think we talked about this either last pod or the one before – Sam Howell, either by design or just uh, either by design of the offense or, you know, just kind of the way Sam Howell works is really kind of spreading the ball around. So it's you, the the idea going into the year was like this was supposed to be a pretty narrow target tree. You know, it was going to be him. It was going to be Terry McLaurin mixed in a little bit of Antonio Gibson, mixed in a little bit of Logan Thomas and there you have it, but it, it it hasn't hasn't really worked out that way. Deami Brown's getting in on the action. Curtis Samuel, um, I think they have like two or three tight ends working around now between Logan Thomas and I want to say John Bates, maybe is the guy's name. Um, so so yeah, they're they're spreading the ball around, and they're not this like kind of high flying offense or, or or anything either. You know, if you're getting like 17% of the reps, but you know, you guys are throwing the ball 50 plus times a game. Well, you know, that, that, that could be deal withable, but the way, the way that they're doing it, it's just, it's just not enough volume overall and then, and not enough volume for him in particular. So he, he's a really tough start at the moment. That indeed. Um, any notes you have on Rashad Bateman or thoughts at all? Yeah, he's been one of the more he's been one of the bigger disappointments for me to start the year. Um, I thought, you know, this was finally his season to kind of bounce back and kind of build upon the start that he had to last season. Um, and it just really hasn't hasn't worked out for him. You know, when Odell was healthy for the first game and a half, we didn't really see much in the in the way of route share or target share from Bateman, Odell, Odell went out like around halfway through um, their second game and, and was not in for their uh, for their third game this past week against the Colts. And, you know, Bateman did see his route share go up, but he only had 11% targets per route run. So that target share just didn't, didn't come up at, at all. You know, he's not earning targets out there. And then to to top it all off, you know, he he ended up leaving the game early with a hamstring issue. So, you know, he's back back being injured and not not, you know, not casting any aspersions on him for that, but that's kind of been the story um on on his career so far. So at at this point in a shallow league, like he's just not rosterable at all to me. Um and in, in a deep league. 
Maybe you hold a bench spot open for him. Maybe you don't. Just depends on what's out there on the waiver wire that you could pick up. Um, a, a guy who has, you know, a, a, a shinier path towards fantasy relevance, a guy who you could tell a better story about on the path to fantasy relevance. Because right now, uh, the door just seems pretty closed on Bateman at the moment. Got you, got you. Yeah, it was one of those situations where, like, all three of those guys with him, Odell, and Zay Flowers were kind of going right around each other, especially in in a best ball season. And so this was – it was kind of bound to happen that maybe one of these guys doesn't pay off their, their draft costs, even though it was such a low draft cost. And, yeah, the points you made about Bateman and what we saw, it is disappointing. I mean, even Nelson Aguilar is just out here like, yeah, I'm going to need to get my routes ran too, so – yeah, hate to see it. Hopefully better days are ahead for Rashad. Finally, to the tight end spot, we got Kyle Pitts. Um, I'll lay it out for you here. He is tight end 19 on the season. I have him for 100 yards receiving through the three games. He's seen 17 targets, which 17 targets in three games, that's that's pretty decent. Um you, but you would probably want more for where you drafted them. But the overall finishes, tight end 22, 42, and 15. Are you concerned? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's almost kind of the same script as, as last year. You know, he's out yep. there for the routes. <laughs> he's just not getting – he's not getting targeted. It's a low pass volume offense. And I think that – I think that Johnny Smith is – pretty much tit for tat with him as far as like raw number of targets, if not, if, if, if not, um, or, or like raw number of receptions or, or something like basically like basically John U. Smith is being worked into the offense at a, at a rate that's kind of alarming. Yeah. Given that, you know, one guy is Kyle, Kyle Pitts and the other guy is John U. Smith. Um, you know, you take all that and you, you know, like I said, you add the backdrop of the offense being low pass volume and then Ritter has not looked great. Ooh, it's, um, it, it feels like we're right back where we started as far as the whole, um, as far as the whole Kyle Pitts play from, from last year goes. And I hate to see it. Yeah, uh, I'm in agreement with you. It's kind of the same as last year. And then, yeah, Janu has nine receptions as well. He does have less targets at 14 uh, targets, but, you know, you already work, you're working in another tight end. You still got Drake London out here and you got a beast and Bijan like it's and a low passing offense. It's just all bad for him right now. You're not dropping him, but if you were to play someone else, it, we would, we would completely understand it. Like if you had Laporta, um on, on your bench like it would be understandable if you went ahead and played Laporta so yeah that at least uh at least it didn't cost you a third round pick this year There's right the, the right the cost was cheaper <laughs> all right well that wraps up week three for us let's go ahead and get into our next segment with waivers aka I got five on it hey Hey. Of course, here we look at guys that we should be picking up off of the waivers. Typically, we're looking at guys that are less than 50% rostered. 
um, in sleeper leagues, typically what I look at, but we kind of look at all around anyways. But I'm going to mention three guys here. Devon A-Chan. Don't need to say anything else. We saw what he just did. Um, there should be at least another week of at least this type of usage available, maybe, unless they just feel urgent to work in Salvin Ahmed if he's back. But, yeah, I think he's a decent flex play um, for you this upcoming week. I would be putting in fab on him. Um, at least, Daryl, how much fab do you think you would spend on A-Chan? I think I'm going somewhere between 30 and 50%. Okay. I was going to say around 25 to 40, so we're in the same bucket, if you will. Yeah, I think this is a guy similar to Jerome Ford last week where – well, Jerome Ford, you're emptying the clip. But around – it's the same kind of deal where you're kind of putting some money out here for this guy. Um, Melvin Gordon and Justice Hill running backs for – the Baltimore Ravens, um, Gus Edwards suffered an injury here. Uh, Justice Hill was out for this game, but um, there's a possibility he might be back in time. Um, Melvin Gordon got into the game and he, you know, might factor in here. So these are two running back options to um, consider if you are low on running backs. And then finally, Matt Breda, um, We'll need an update on Saquon, but at least initial reports was that he would be missing a couple of weeks. So Matt Breda could be another running back play for you. If I were to rate the three guys that I mentioned here, I would probably go A-Chan, probably Breda, and then between the Gordon and Hill mixture. For sure. Um, Yeah. So for me, I I have a few guys I'd like to mention. Um, Roshan Johnson, he's currently, um, according to Fantasy Pros, 41% rostered. And I think he's worthy of a roster addition, not not as a guy that you can plug and play yet because, you know, that Chicago offense is, is not great. It's not great. But from where Roshan started to where he is now, He's basically in a 55-45 split with Khalil Herbert, with Khalil being the 55%, um, Roshan getting the 45. But like he's he's eating into into that workload, you know, in in all phases, you know, in the passing and running game. So, you know, basically if if it he's probably he doesn't have standalone value at this moment just because of the backdrop of the offense being terrible. But if you know he, he he is the Herbert handcuff for 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 sure, and there's a chance that he could win, um, he, he could win the lion's share of the touches. And if that offense does happen to rebound at some point, you know, in in the year or in the next few weeks, you could have uh, you could have its RB one. That's that's just the to stash on the end of your roster thing. It's not a it's not a pick him up plan type type of suggestion. Um, Latavius Murray, you know, his production isn't great, but he has, you know, he has the goal line role in that, um, in that Buffalo offense, got himself another touchdown this week, you know, five carries, 15 yards. 
and a, and a touchdown. He gets some passing game work, and I think he would, uh, you know, if, if something were to happen to James Cook, he would see a significant spike in in his work. You know, they they throw him out there for uh, for long down and distance and for two minute work. So you know, he's not going to give you. He he doesn't have that explosion that James Cook does, but he's certainly a handcuff with like extreme emergency kind of flex um, value. You know, you could plug him and just pray for a touchdown kind of thing. Um, and lastly, uh, Rico Dowdle. Uh, I, it appears he is the Tony Pollard handcuff. What was – now, here's the thing. You go and you look at the usage of the Cowboys running backs last week, and you see Tony Pollard played 87% of the snaps. And this was the first game where Dallas was really pushed. So you're like, why would you tell me to get um, Dowdle? And it's just for the handcuff value. You know, he, he, he did get some red zone work. I believe they threw – I think they threw. I think he might have scored a touchdown on a um, on a on a on a screen pass in the red zone, or he got very close, or something like that. I remember being tilted about that, but um, but yeah, he is he he very much appears to be in the lead for the handcuff to Pollard role. So if something happens to Pollard, Dottle becomes really really valuable. So if you have the space, if you have a deep bench. Um, I think he's somebody who is worthy of rostering as well. Word up to the wide receivers. These first two guys, I think, are two guys you definitely need to be putting bids in and adding them. The first guy I'll talk about, Josh Palmer, um, we talked about earlier with Mike Williams suffering the ACL injury being out for the season. It based on the route participation numbers, you would see that Palmer would be the next guy in line to step up in kind of that Mike Williams role. And he's done this in the past uh, for the team. And he's been, you know, a decent pickup when it's come to it. Um, I would I would definitely prioritize him second. The first guy being Tank Dell uh, back to back weeks yeah. that he has balled out for the Texans. Uh, five for 145, as we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, he's a guy I feel is probably worth opening the clip. It seems as though Stroud has him as his number one guy. Um, Nico and Robert Woods, kind of 1B, 1C, if you will. So, yeah, Tank Dell, I would say empty a clip type if he's not already picked up. The other two guys I think are kind of just stash types, if you will. Uh, Marvin Mims. Again, we're seeing the increase in the um, targets per route run, if you will. I think I think it'll get to Peyton at some point, and he'll realize he'll need to have this guy on the field more in these three wide receiver sets. All he does is just do explosive plays. Uh, and Josh Downs, the rookie for the Colts, uh, had himself a good week. Eight for 57 yards on 12 targets. Um, he's pretty much out there on the field with uh, Pittman and Pierce. Um, and the same kind of percentage, well, a little bit less. He's about 79%, but he's seeing about a 19% target share. So he could be a sneaky kind of PPR value guy for you. Um, it's not somebody that I think you need to clamor and get on the waiver wires, but you know, if you got somebody on your bench that you know isn't doing anything for you, I would definitely add Josh Downs over said person. 
For sure, yeah. He seems to be taking over that wide receiver two role for for, for them, you know, surpassing surpassing Alec Pierce. So, yeah, I, I think he's certainly a solid pickup. Um, so I'm going to cheat ever so slightly um, just because I think it's worthy of mentioning um, and, and say that you should pick up Adam Thielen. He, you know, according to Fantasy Pros, he's 51 percent rostered um and you know our threshold is 50 percent but 51 percent is just way too low to me like given the way these past couple weeks have played out 92 percent route share somewhere in the neighborhood of a 24 to 25 percent targets per route run and he's currently the wide receiver nine um on, on on the season so you know this guy is he's He's looking like he's not washed. I know this is an ex- exciting pickup. This is kind of an eat your vegetables pickup, but this is the kind of dude you can throw into into your flex. And you know, you can if you had done that these past couple of weeks, it would have been very, very good production. He seems to be the wide receiver one on on, on this team. So, you know, I I definitely think he's worth a roster spot and the way he's been playing, you know, he at the very least needs to be, um, needs to be in your flex, especially this upcoming week. They are going to be playing the Vikings and I'd be very excited to get Thielen into my lineup. If, um, if Dalton is the quarterback this week, um, Thielen is a zone monster. Um, and, you know, as we mentioned earlier, the Vikings are extremely zone heavy, and Andy Dalton is a is a serviceable professional quarterback who um, who knows how to get the ball out to his to his um, short eight out target. So yeah, um, I also think that Romeo Dobbs um, he's he's a guy that I think to stash as as well stash 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 slash get into your flex. Um, you know, over the three weeks. So far this season, he's at 79% of the routes, 23% targets per route run, and he has 42% of Green Bay's end zone targets overall. Like when 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 they're you know in the red zone, that's that's Jordan Love's guy to go to. Like he'll he'll throw the ball up to him and let him go make a play. And Dobbs has done it, I want to say three or four times so far this year. So if you're you know we're, we're coming up on bye weeks starting soon. If um, if you're looking for a shot in the dark flex type, type of dude, um, I, you you certainly can do worse. And last, I lastly, I like to mention another sort of eat your vegetables kind of guy in Robert Woods. He's at 83% of the routes run, 22% targets per route run. He's currently wide receiver, 45 on the season. Stroud looks for him. He's out there for he's out there for a good number of the routes. If you need somebody to get out there in your flex, you know you're playing in a deep league or something like that. Robert Woods is extremely very serviceable. Um, he he's certainly a guy that should not be on waiver wires in deep leagues. Agree with you on that. Let's talk about some tight ends. First off, we got Luke Musgrave. We talked about him last week as well, but um, just as a summary, he's running 82% of the routes, seeing a 16% target share on that team. Now, of course, they have been without Christian Watson, but 
you know, carving out a 16% target share, running 80% of the routes as a rookie is damn good. Especially with this team, they're going up against the Lions on Thursday, and the Lions have been food for tight ends. Um, they've been yeah. they've given up given up the number one amount of points or the most points to the tight end uh, position, um, and they haven't really faced a cast of tight end characters. But you know, Blake Bell and Noah Gray between those two, they had a touchdown and they had five receptions um, against the Seahawks with Noah Fant, um, Cody Parkinson, and Will Disley. They had nine receptions for over 100-plus yards. And then this past week, they played the Falcons, where they had 10 receptions between Kyle Pitts and John New Smith. This should lend itself to Luke Musgrave having himself a decent day. And then also, I think he's kind of working himself again to not only a rossable tight end, but a tight end that could be in your lineup every week and then with jake ferguson it's all about again he is out there he's running a good amount of the routes and um the target share is at 19 percent, which is pretty good now they've been without brandon cooks for a game there but even this past week he saw a 19 percent target share so you know i have interest in jake ferguson but i would be prioritizing luke musgrave above him yeah, absolutely. And I didn't really have any other tight ends to add to that. Um, you know, just a, a little a side, little side point on Luke Musgrave. If uh, one of these days Jordan Love is going to put a ball on him when <laughs> he's wide open, you know, this is this is like somewhere between three and five times. You know, it just happened this past week where Musgrave is just running wide open and Jordan Love just can't put the ball on him for what would at the very least be an explosive game, like 25-plus yards, right. and with Musgrave's <laughs> athleticism, could very well have ended um, in, in touchdowns. Like, he he has, like, three sheeshes on on the year. Shout out, um, shout out Ann Hardis. So, like, right. yeah, you know, one of the, one of these days, one of those is going gonna, is gonna to fall his way, and he's just going to have a ridiculous day. So, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Right. And hopefully it's this week. I mean, again, the matchup is juicy. Finally, to the quarterbacks, hit my little dance. Mr. Left, right himself. I'm going with Coleridge, Bernard, Strout, the fourth. Um, man, this man is a rookie. That man did not look like a rookie this past week against the Jags, man. He looked like a very nice quarterback. Of course, we talked about uh, the damage he did through Tank Dell. Now, this matchup against the Steelers this week, I'm not excited about starting him for, but I think we're looking at a quarterback in C.J. Stroud that is reading defense as well, getting the ball to his guys, and I think he'll be a startable fantasy asset, especially in the weeks coming after that because we'll be starting to get into bye weeks. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> – not certainly not a bad play and certainly a guy I think that you could put on your put on your roster if you find yourself you know in a position where you're you're feeling like you're gonna have to start platooning quarterbacks he's he he's certainly he's certainly viable I think you know we were just talking about Trevor Lawrence and his sometimiminess and um who, who else did we did we have on there and 
and De- and you know Dak maybe I, I I don't know I I maybe wouldn't start platooning Dak yet but you know you you know if you're in a my quarterback's not getting it done type situation so um yeah. so yeah a couple a few other guys I'd like to mention um Andy Dalton is due to play the well okay I'm saying Andy Dalton if um if uh Bryce Young I was going to say CJ Stroud if Bryce Young is unable to go again this week. I think uh, Andy Dalton has a very good matchup against against the Vikings. They're giving up like, you know, if they're top five and um, or bottom five, I guess you want to say it, in points given up to the quarterback position. They're giving up a lot of points to quarterbacks, basically. Um, that's the, that's what I'm trying to say there. And um, and he went, you know, he went and did it on the road. We just saw in in Seattle. Might have had a chance to do even more. I don't know if you saw that game, but they just could not stop. Um, the, 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 the 12th man did a number on the Panthers line. Like they they had like the most false starts, I think, in NFL history in one game, in, in that game. But Andy still put up numbers. Um, so, yeah, he's one to look at for this week if you need a streamer uh, for, for whatever reason. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, if he plays – He's in the concussion protocol right now. If he's able to get cleared, um, they play the Chargers. Um, and, you know, the Chargers have been rather foodish to quarterbacks so far this year. Jimmy's been pushing the ball down the field this year. He has two excellent receivers in Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams, who, my goodness, had a day um, this, this past week. Um, so yeah, I think if Jimmy plays, he is somebody to consider. And uh, Matthew Stafford. They oh, also um, one thing that may push you off of Jimmy, um, you know, aside from the Kenny Clear concussion protocol, if he does, they're playing at the Chargers. The Chargers don't have home games, and he plays for the Raiders. There's a lot of Raiders love still. In LA, that's going to yeah. be a Raiders home game. That's going to yeah. be a Raiders home game. So, um, so yeah, you don't have that to fear um, if if Jimmy does end up getting the start. Um, I also suggest uh, Matt Stafford this week. They get the Colts, who have been giving up points to the quarterback position at a pretty decent clip. Um, now, one thing that may kind of skew what they've been the points they've been giving up. You know, this past week. Lamar had 14 rushes for 101 yards and two touchdowns. So that may kind of skew um, the points that they've been giving up to the quarterback position, but their secondary has not been good um, this year. Um, so, And we know Matthew Stafford has um, has some weapons that he's not afraid to use. If, if only he could get a little time, which we thought he'd get against Cincinnati, but he did not get against Cincinnati. Um, anyway. Um, so yeah, those three for this week. And then, so next week, week five, it'll be the first week we have, um, it'll be the first week where buys kick in and in week five, Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert and Geno Smith will be on by. So, you know, it may behoove you to start looking forward to rostering your replacements for those guys. Um, so that this time next week you're not having to compete with everybody else to get um, to, to get you know your your bi-week quarterback. Um, you know 
it's not the best option, but Sam Howell, he's he's less than 50% owned. And in week five, the commanders will be facing the Bears, who have been who have given up the seventh most points to the QB position so far this year. Could be a very good get right spot for the um for the commanders passing game. And you know, Howell also has some rushing upside, um, at least theoretically, anyway. And also um, Matthew Stafford, who I'd mentioned for this week, gets the Eagles in um, mm. in, in week five as, as well. So, you know, I think the Eagles are starting to get a little healthier in their in their um, in their secondary. So what I would say is, you know, if you get if you're able to get Stafford for this week, just keep an eye on what the Eagles do this week. You know, if they look like they're back to just you know, choking people out with their secondary play, then maybe you could you could back off Stafford when it comes to next week. But have him in tow just in j- just in case um, the the Eagles happen to remain foodish to the quarterback position. <laughs> well said there, and good note on the the bye week there with how getting the Bears. But whew, hopefully, not too many managers are in that position, at least from what we've seen so far. But let's get to our last segment, a little bit of DBB, the brothers battle. As noted multiple times, we are brothers. We do like to compete against each other. And a way we do that is a bet sheet where we bet every game, either the spread or the over under and keep record of how we do. Winner gets a very nice dinner for himself and our mom. This week, Daryl went eight and eight, fifty percent there. I went eleven and seven. Another plus five hundred week for your boy. We love to see it. Uh, to the week three. Oh, actually, let me give the total record on the season. I should probably do that. So Daryl's coming in with a 27, 22, and 1 record. That's 55%. I am at 32, 16, and 2. That's a 66% win percentage for me. And now let's go to the sheet. I'll pass it over to you, Daryl. Any of these bets, games, plays that you made interest you or made you think, dang, I'm trash or I'm him? Um well, okay, like we had to, you know, it, we're forced to bet each or, you know, we're forced to pick in each game. And um, right. I thought I had it with that Minnesota thing, with the Minnesota Chargers <laughs> game, especially after the Chargers went for it, um, you know, on their own 24-yard line late in the game. And I'm like, yeah, Minnesota's going to come down. And uh, the, the, the line we had was Minnesota minus one. And at the the score ended 28-24. So if Minnesota had gotten that touchdown, then they would have uh, they would have covered. And I was like, okay, so the Chargers are going to be the one to derp the game away. And Minnesota pulled a rabbit out of the hat and magically found a way to derp the game at home. So that one uh, <laughs> that one hit me. That one hit me. I thought for sure that that one was going to go my way, especially the way that played out um the the funniest one to me was um was i i took the over in the denver at miami game 
Oh, and <laughs> the over under in that game was 48. And I, I'm, I think there were at least 21 points scored in the first quarter. It might have been 28 points scored, but like that, that over, that overcashed uh, by like midway through the second quarter, I want to say. Like it was basically that, that over hit, it was no sweat, like very, very early in the game. And it hit, it was a super duper over. So like that, that one was right. just a, that one was just really really funny. This um, one finna be a breeze. <laughs> yeah, the rest of them, the rest of them that I missed, uh, you know, I thought Washington was gonna be more competitive than they were. Yeah. I thought Tampa was gonna be more competitive uh, than they were. Um, so yeah, those ones, I. You know, kind of semi, kind of, kind of semi shocked me, especially the Washington one. Like, um, I took I took Washington minus six and a half, and I was like, okay, even if I lose this and what, it'll probably be like you know, um, it, Buffalo, you know, beats them by ten or something. I didn't think Buffalo was going to come in there and beat them by thirty four points. Like, my right. goodness, like that was, whoo. But yeah, um, all in all, like those those were the ones that like really kind of stuck out the worst of me for like various reasons word up um so when we had our preview pod i already had indianapolis entered in here and they showed up for your boy man they pulled out a little gutsy effort um actually won the game outright so the plus seven and a half was just juicy there i did have a lock this week and I did lock the under in the Kansas City Chicago game, and my reasoning for that, like, coming oh into, man, so I'm sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You're good, you're good. So coming into that game, I was just like, okay, um, I expected this to be a fully like Kansas City get right spot. Like you're back at home, you know, Kelsey's here. Um, Let's get the offense humming, right? So I had a feeling that they would show out here, right? And they did exactly that. Like, they they showed out. Now, I didn't think it would be the, to the tune of 41 points because I thought, you know, Chicago may be good for 10 or maybe 14. Kansas City gets 30, 31. We're good, right? Nah. That's not what we get. We get a 41-burger from Kansas City. And then Chicago, the whole game, <laughs> the whole game looked absolutely putrid on offense. And then all of a sudden, late in the game, they want to, you know, put put something together and, you know, score a touchdown with like four or five minutes left. And it's like, I. The most Basura of Basura time touchdowns to, uh, to, to get that over. Like that was. Bro, that, that was so bad. That that was really so bad. So the score was forty-one to three, right? And the over/under was forty-eight. So you know you had it, you had it, and then they scored that absolute garbage time uh, touchdown to, uh, to to kill that to kill the under. What better time to put together a nine-play, seventy-five-yard drive, right? Like at in the fourth quarter. Why not? But, you know, shout out to DJ Moore. He is on one of my a couple fantasy teams and it saved his day, too. Um, the last thing 
the Los Angeles Cincinnati game, we both were on Los Angeles and like, bro, they had so many opportunities to like try to win this game from the perspective of like, it was just going back and forth. Like neither team could just get things done, but man, that Cincinnati defense showed up enough and, you know, wasn't able to get the the plus one and a half points to make it. But, you know, I think our mind was in the right process of picking Los Angeles in that game. Yeah. The, the thing is like the Cincinnati pass rush had been, have been nothing. The two games coming into this, like they, right. And, and I guess this just kind of goes to like either they really turned it around, you know, Tr- Trey Hendrickson, he was a first round pick. So, you know, you can't ever be surprised when that man goes off, but like, maybe this is just a thing we need to keep in mind going forward that that, that Rams offensive line, like they, they were absolute turnstiles last night. Like it was, it was really kind of a miracle that, um, that Stafford was able to finish that game because they were lighting him up. Yeah, they were. They were. Um, I guess one last thing, actually. Shout out to Josh McDaniel, man. We both went the under <laughs> um, in a 23-18 to 18 game and finished. The over-under was 43-and-a-half. boy. Nothing better when you're down eight to just go down there um, with like four minutes left and just put your tail between your ass and say, we're going to kick a field goal instead of trying to get a touchdown. When you're down eight, we appreciate you, though. Down eight, fourth and four from like the – somewhere between the eight and 12-yard line. The fourth and four from the – who was it that they were playing? How did I forget this already? They are playing Um, Pittsburgh. Yeah, fourth and four. On the Pittsburgh, like somewhere between eight to twelve yard line. Four minutes, less than four minutes to go. And like there's so much there. First off, you have the Raiders defense. You have the Raiders defense. You're expecting your defense to come out and stop Pittsburgh from getting what what did they need? They basically just needed a first down, right? Or like a, a first down and a couple decent gains kind of yeah. thing. You're going to count on your defense to do that. You brought Jimmy G in. You know, you you, you let Derek Carr walk or, or whatever. You know, actually, you kicked him out the door. You didn't let him play uh, the last couple games to save some money against the cap. Brought Jimmy <laughs> G in. You're paying, um, you're paying Devontae a grip. You yeah. draft the first round tight end. You're paying, uh, you, you, you know, you, you sign Jacoby Myers. And Jacoby and Devontae have been eating all night. You just need four yards. Yep. Like, tell me you don't trust your team without telling me you don't trust your team. Like, that was that was unbelievable. But shout out to, you know, if don't nobody got me, Josh McDaniel got me. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, pre- appreciated that. So, um, I didn't enter any of the spreads for week four, so we'll make note of those on the preview pod, anything that interests us there. And, yeah, that closes out another week of DBB. I am holding on to a lead. Hopefully I can keep the same vibes and energy going forward. Yeah, man, I got some work to do. We're going to get in the lab and get things right. Uh, Let's start this comeback this week.
for sure for sure well that concludes another episode for us thank you guys for tuning in if you want to reach out to us we are on the x aka twitter streets at the brothers ff that's d-a brothers ff it's your boy Derek, my brother daryl we're out of here peace